And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fastened Like Nails. I'm Mark Hamby, and in the studio with me today, my co-host, Molly Mayo. Molly, welcome back. Thank you. Molly's been gone for a little bit, and I'm glad to have you back. Good to be back. And next to Molly is sitting Adele Laporte. <laughs> Laporte. <laughs> oh, dear. I thought it was French. It is French. You wouldn't say Laporte? No. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. I stand corrected. <laughs> so, Adele and Molly, um, I'm very excited about today's broadcast because we're going to study the most unread book of the Bible, Ooh. the book of Leviticus. Mm. Mm. Which may be my all-time favorite book of the Bible. Seriously? Yeah. Why? Oh, just because of the repetition, the structure, the beauty, and Jesus is in the very center of it. So mm. we're going to look at something. And one of the reasons we're having this um, broadcast today is because Adele came to me a few days ago and shared something with me, and I was completely blown away. <laughs> what, what did you see on my face when you shared that with me? <laughs> I saw a look of shock. <laughs> it really was. You were so um, ecstatic about it. I was I was really happy to see you find so much joy in the things that the Lord showed me. Imagine how God is when his children find things that he has hidden in his word. Kind of like a, a treasure hunt. You know, I can't wait for my kids to actually find the treasures that I've hidden. You know, we sometimes mm-hmm. at Easter time we have those treasure hunts and stuff. Um, it's just the cool, coolest thing. God mm-hmm. has hidden things in his word. For those that are real seekers, seek that you may find. Mm. Um, you know, knock and the door will be open unto you. So mm. um, the book of Leviticus is that kind of treasure hunt. There are so, there's so many um, repetitious words that actually form a story. So Adele, before we get to your find, and, and ladies and gentlemen, those that are listening, this is pretty amazing. I have researched the book of Leviticus for decades and what, Le- what Adele found, I have never seen in a commentary or journal. Um, this may be a legitimate newest, one of the newest finds. Um, this, this, this could rock the theological world if, it, if they get a hold of it. So that's really, um, it's a great find. But before we get to there, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey. And for those that are listening, through the book of Leviticus and not just what it means, but how it means it. And so <clears throat> if, if you're studying the book of Leviticus, you know, it could be just really tiresome and actually <laughs> boring, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All these offerings and mm-hmm. all this stuff. But if you look at it from a theological, structural perspective, and you start jotting down the words that are repeated and just read the words that are repeated. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say that um, just for some context, this is what you are teaching in biblical theology, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's Because it's kind of a random book to be uh talking about, but this is something that was huge for you for biblical theology, right? Yeah. This was, was this something that you were studying back in school or when did you find this? Um, so yeah, when I was back in seminary, um, I was doing a, uh, a study. I, everyone had to choose a book that they were going to do a biblical theological study on. And I chose the book of Leviticus. What? Why? Um, I just, it, you know, it was because it was so unread and so unstudied that you know, I wanted to tackle I, the two books that I focused on were Leviticus and Ecclesiastes. That's <clears throat> crazy. I know they were the kind of the the books that seemed to be needing some some deep research. And you know, and when you when I started finding these repeated words, like for example, in, in chapter one, you can't you just can't pass this up. You just you you'd be blind not to see this. But the <laughs> word offering, you know, offering. This is just verse the first chapter. 
Listen to this. Offering to the Lord, offering of livestock. Verse 3, offering, <laughs> offering, offer, offering, atonement. And then it's got blood, blood, offering, um, altar, offering, 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 offer, offer, offering, offering, offer, offer, blood, offer, <laughs> offering, offering. <laughs> and then it ends with pleasing aroma to the Lord. Oh, wow. That's what the book of Leviticus is about. It's about presenting to him a pleasing aroma, the sacrifice of our lives. Hebrews is going to talk about this, that our lives are an aroma, a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God, the fruit of our lips. This is pretty amazing. So, Back in the Old Testament, though, they didn't have that understanding that that's what God was looking for. And so it starts off with this, all of these offerings. In chapter 2, it's the same focus. Just folks that are listening, you might not have the book of Leviticus Leviticus open, but just listen to, this is chapter 2. Ready? I'm going to go through one chapter, verses 1 through um, 16. Listen to how many times the word offering is repeated. Ready? Start counting. You guys start counting. Ready? Ready. Okay. Offering, offering, offering. Offer, and then notice this, offer a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It's repeated again. Mm-hmm. Offerings, offering, 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 offering. How many got so far? 13. I lost track. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, keep going. Offering, and then again, what? look what happens in verse 9. A sweet, pleasing aroma to the Lord. Wow. Third time it's mentioned. It's like this buildup and then a, a release. Yeah. And then like da 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 It's really pretty. I'm not, Isn't it? I don't know how so I missed poetic. that. Before. Okay, you guys ready for this? This is amazing. Okay. Okay. So one of my professors, Dr. John Lawler, he mm-hmm. taught this at one of our guilds Ooh. and he called it the symphony of Leviticus. Wow. The Levitical symphony. The whole book of Leviticus is kind of musical. It's mm. got this, it's a, like a symphony, like the conductor conducting. Is that incredibly to see it that way? It blew, it blew me away. You know, to, for him to be here, he's one of my all-time favorite professors, <laughs> and for him to be at the Guild, and there he was, my one of my heroes of mm-hmm. the faith, and seeing him up there teaching our students. And it was so far above their level, but yet, you know, they grasped some of it, some of it, yeah. you know, the symphony of Leviticus. Wow. Right. That was just amazing. No one would expect that. That's no. so crazy. It puts a whole new perspective on Isn't it? that book. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a symphony. Okay. You're up to how many? 14. 14. Here we go. Um, offering. It's in verse 10. Offerings. Offer. Offering. Offered. And guess what you have in verse, end of verse 12? Pleasing aroma. Pleasing aroma mm. to God. Mm. Isn't this amazing? In the midst of all these offerings, you got this pleasing aroma to God. Offering, offering, offerings, offer, offer, offering, offer, offering, offering. And guess what you end with? Mm. With all its frankincense in its food offering to the Lord. It, the whole ending is this amazing. He adds frankincense. He adds all of this special aroma to the final offering at the end of chapter two. Is wow. fra- So frankincense, like I've smelled it before, it's an incredible scent. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of, instead of saying pleasing aroma, it just is because of yeah. how it's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Why, if, why does it do that there? It, but, well, and if you mix it with the fat offering, you, if, you ever, if you ever, you know, cooked a steak on a barbecue, you know, outside on a charcoal grill... <laughs> 
Isn't mm. the fat the best part of this whole thing? <laughs> God loves barbecues. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's something about burning the fat. Burning corn with its husk on. There's mm. something about the grain oh, offering. Oh, yeah. The wow. Gr- yeah, it all has this fragrant smell. And that represents how God wants our lives to be, this fragrant offering to the Lord. Um, wow. So that's... That's just chapters one and two. If we did, the, how many did you come up with? I think it was twenty-eight. Twenty-eight, and then we had—we didn't even count how many in chapter one. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a lot in one chapter. It sure is. Um, I counted um, up through chapter four, a hundred and sixty-five of them. <laughs> Whoa, okay. hundred and sixty-five like offerings. Offerings, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and then chapter three is the same thing. We're not going to do this <clears throat> throughout the book, but if we kept going, <laughs> we would just keep seatbelts. counting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We'd be here yeah, quite a while. Like, oh, how many times are they going to count this? <clears throat> but chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, chapter six. It's funny. I see here in uh, 316, this was something that during my semester you had talked about this. It says, And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food and offering made by fire for a sweet aroma. Mm. All the fat is the Lord's. And that became like a quote because Rochelle was our cook. And she, anytime she'd make anything, she's like, just remember, the fat is the Lord's. She looked at <laughs> like extra fatty sections. <laughs> like, yeah. So if we continue this in, of course, you know, you'd have to really have this as a sit-down course in front of a whiteboard and writing this stuff on the board. But mm-hmm. this, these themes of offerings and sacrifice, a new one comes with guilt offerings if you're guilty. And then for the theme of forgiveness comes in here. The themes of sins and then commandments comes in. And then this idea of whether you're clean or unclean. And so if you look at chapter 4, verse... Um, Verse 31, it, it once again brings this theme back in of a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And one of the ways that you become a pleasing aroma to the Lord is the next verse. And the priest shall do what? Make a atonement for him, and he shall be what? Forgiven. Mm-hmm. The whole theme is leading up to making these offerings so that you can have your sins atoned, mm. so that you can have the freedom of forgiveness in your life and go on and serve God in this wonderful, joyful relationship with mm. him. Oh, it's like because of all the offerings that you can have this sweet aroma, like those were the things that had to happen before your life was pleasing? Yeah, or? yeah. If if you If you are offering to the Lord and you're following his commandments, one of the themes here is commandments. So you're offering to the Lord, you're following his commandments, you're doing the things that God wants you to do. When you're in when you're living in a state of continual offering, mm. mm-hmm. you're acknowledging your guilt, you're acknowledging your sin. And so when when you get to the when you get to the real atonement mm-hmm. and you're asking God to forgive you, you're recognizing that your offering is lacking something. Mm. It's lacking the pureness of your heart. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh dear. I'm in the midst of all of these things that I'm doing. I'm like, it's like being in church taking communion. And you know, God warns us, don't take communion mm-hmm. if you've got sin in your heart, you know, if it's unconfessed. It's the same idea. You know, God wants you to be a part of these offerings, but he wants your sins to be forgiven so they can be genuinely atoned for by the blood of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. This gets intense. <laughs> it goes from chapter 5 to chapter 6, and all of a sudden, the... The words offering and pleasing aroma, they continue, but all of a sudden, the requirements get to be a little bit more stringent. And the atonement focus just is, it takes off here in chapter 7, 
chapter 8, and there is a sense of God getting serious about following his commandments. Verse 8, for example, in chapter 6 says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth of the altar all night until the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. So God says he commanded Aaron and his sons. Notice what he commanded them. This is in verse, this is in chapter 6. What's he, what's he commanding? Verse 8, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command Aaron and his sons saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth and on the altar all night until morning. And what shall be on the altar? Fire. The fire. And the fire shall be what? Chapter Should 6, keep... verse um, uh, verse 8 and 9. Kept burning on it. Yeah. The fire should be kept burning on it. Mm. What is about to take place in chapters 9 and 10 is Aaron's two sons are not going to follow this commandment. Oh, no. Mm. They're going to take their own fire, and God's going to call it oh, the strange, strange fire. fire. Oh, yeah. God gives a commandment. They're going to do it their own way. Whoa. And as a result, guess what happens immediately? After, not only do Aaron's two sons get killed, but immediately afterwards— all of the offering focus, all of the forgiveness focus, all of the atonement focus ceases. Hmm. Like symbols clinging together and a new theme starts. And all of a sudden, a new rept- repetitious theme starts all, all over again. Guess what it is? What? Pus and mold. Oh, Ew. gross. <laughs> That's yeah. disgusting. It is. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's amazing that God does this because what he's teaching us theologically is that when we do things our own way and don't follow the commandments of the Lord and we get out of step and we don't have forgiveness and we don't have pure atonement, we atone for our sins our own way, mm-hmm. that life is not going to be full of forgiveness and joy and offerings of, of great celebration. Life is going to be filled with monotony and things that are going to depress, things that are going to deteriorate, things that are going to go mm-hmm. in a negative spin in our lives and he brings up these new themes of mold and pus and all kinds of gross things that are going to occur in chapter Whoa. 11, 12, 13, and 14. So I have a question for you, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, you recommended a book to me called True Faced, and it's a story about trust, and it was talking about the three gifts of God, uh, forgiveness, love, and grace. Mm-hmm. And in it, it was it's interesting that you're mentioning this because this was back in um, before Jesus was born on earth. Mm-hmm. So... Um, they, you know, they had to follow the, the was it the Torah or mm-hmm. the, they had to follow these commandments and stuff and, and atone for their sins. So then you fast forward to today, <clears throat> Jesus has like taken all of our sin and, and paid for them. So like the salvation is different. How is that applicable nowadays with like, because if, if like you're talking about forgiveness and like atoning for your sins, like our sins have already been atoned for as Christians. So. Mm-hmm. How do you live in the freedom of, like, I'm saved, but, you know, that's not an excuse to sin, Paul was talking about. But, you know, we don't, we're not going to be punished necessarily. Great question. Right? Or, yeah, great question. <clears throat> but we lose fellowship. Mm. With, with God or others? Both. Oh. Yeah, we lose. You can't really have a relationship with other people that's genuinely holy and pure and, and full of life with another person if you've got sin in your heart. Sin just, it destroys everything. It it brings the pus and mold into our life, kind mm. of. You know, it deteriorates mm. um, relationships. 
Um, it, it's like what Proverbs talks about. It says that, you know, he was in the midst of the congregation, yet he was mm-hmm. falling away, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, that brings just, it, it brings a, a separation in our relationship. And so I think when we have sin and it's not, <clears throat> we, you know, in the New Testament, Jesus focuses on, you know, that our, our sins are forgiven. In the book of uh, 1 John, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, mm. we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. So mm-hmm. you might have your sins forgiven for eternity, but you still need to come before the Lord when you sin mm-hmm. and confess your sins so that you're, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. What did Peter do? Jesus said, I need to wash your feet. Mm-hmm. Peter, wash all of me. <laughs> yeah, wash all of me. And then Jesus said what? Peter, you are already clean. Oh. He's been atoned for, okay? Peter's already clean, you know, eternally. But Peter, I must wash your feet daily. You still need your daily cleansing. Wow. That's a picture of us coming before the Lord and having our sins forgiven and being sanctified. You know, we're, we're going to continue fighting the battle of sin. Mm-hmm. And if we want to have pure fellowship, which First John teaches, with one another mm-hmm. and with God, then we have to really practice throughout the day mm-hmm. and especially daily of confessing our sins before God. And he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lot of people, what happens is they sin. They become so guilty mm-hmm. that they feel like, I'm, I can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And I'm, not, I'm not confessing my sins. It's not doing me any good. But we, we have a loving Father who is an advocate. Jesus is our advocate. And he knows that Satan wants to destroy us. And when we're down and out, he just wants you to come to him. And he says, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out, mm-hmm. except for those who say, you know, God sometimes has to, you know, he will take some home early because they refuse to do things his way, like he did with Nadab mm-hmm. and Abihu. They refuse to do things God's way, and they offered strange fire. And as a result, it changes the course of not just those two sons and Aaron and his family, but all of Israel. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when sin enters a family or when sin enters a church. That's really drastic. Is it also because they were like leaders in the church too that it was so drastic? Or That's, you... That even makes it worse, yes. Mm. So back to Leviticus. <laughs> After the Nadab and Abihu, don't follow the commandments of the Lord, it leads up to chapter 18. Mm. And the theme of Leviticus focuses and ends with the most amazingly repeated words are atonement for sin, <laughs> forgiveness. That's how this, it's like the crescendo the center of Leviticus, it ends there. So when Whoa. Adele came to me the other day <laughs> and handed me this paper and showed me this structure. Whoa, Adele. Molly, <laughs> take a look at this, Molly. That's yeah. I didn't know you did. That's crazy. Yeah. She showed me the structure in the structure. Well, I'm going to let Adele. Adele, this is your work, <laughs> your research. Take it from here, Adele, mm, because wow. this is a monumental find in the Bible. Let's tell us what, what happened. <laughs> All right. So, How'd you find it? How did I find it? Well, um, actually, I was just 
you know, studying Leviticus because that was our homework assignment for this week for biblical theology. And um, so I was uh, looking through it and I kind of wanted just to see if there was any chiastic structures in here because, you know, students here at the Master's Guild are really interested in in finding those sorts of things. What's a chiastic structure? uh, A chiastic structure. Now, Do- uh, Dr. Mark Hamby, you have a different idea of uh, yeah, true, a true then. chiasm <laughs> is the letter, like it looks like the letter X in Greek. Yeah. And so the truths are on both sides of the tops of the letter and then the bottom of the letter. And then in the center is the, you know, the Maybe central, the central meaning, you know, or it could just mean that it's framed, that there's something that occurs on the top and something that occurs on the bottom that match and it works its way to the very center and the center is that meaning. So very similar. Mm-hmm. Hebrew framing works from both ends to the middle, and the chiastic structure works from all four sides to the middle. So mm-hmm. whether it be a framing device or a <laughs> or chiastic, a we'll, we'll give it give it to you as a chiasm right now. It's either one. So um, yeah, I was looking through, and I was noticing as I was just reading through the book that there were some similarities between the beginning and the end. And when you see those sorts of mirrors, you know, it's like, oh, well, that wasn't just coincidence. Obviously, the Lord had to have written it specifically for a purpose. So um, once you find those mirroring um, sides of either a chapter or a book or even just a verse. Look, give, give us an example of one of the mirrors in your paper. What's, okay. what's the mirror on both ends? So both ends. So both ends talk about rituals, specifically regarding offerings. Um, Ch- chapter what? Chapters 1 through 7 of Leviticus match with chapters 23 through 27. Whoa. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I did. Cool. And I was showing you all of those offerings that were occurring. Yeah. But I missed the other end of the matching <laughs> offerings mm-hmm. of the other end of the book. So this is like a mirror image, right? Yeah. Okay. What's are there other mirror images after that? Yes. Wow. Moving down, um, we go through Levit- Leviticus uh, chapters eight through ten, and that talks about um, the uh, priesthood and basically their. Their role. So there'd be a priesthood on the other end as well? Uh, Yes, there is in chapters 21 through 22. Cool. Yes. And then moving on, we have Leviticus chapters 11 through 15, which talks about um, the purity rituals and Mm. and things that um, uh, the people of Israel would have to do to purify themselves. And on the other end? On the other end, chapter, I think it's um, chapter 17 through 20, uh, again, talks about purity. Okay. It's amazing. Okay. And it. So where where is it coming to the middle? It all comes in the middle in chapter 16, which I was totally ecstatic about it uh, when I found it because uh, <laughs> I knew from being at Ellerslie Bible College that this is like a huge chapter. Absolutely incredible. And I knew that there was a lot of structural devices in, in it cool. because of what I studied there. So, um, yeah. And then chapter 16 is a chiasm. A huge chiasm. That's the center of this it's whole the thing. Center. So it's like a chiasm inside. Okay. A chiasm. Okay. Let's let's do a drum roll. Molly, do you know what it is yet? <laughs> no. Okay. So. So is chapter sixteen the the center, or the, or is the very center of sixteen the center? Uh. Well. Or is it both? The very center is like, yeah. There is there is like a center within the central chapter. Whoa, that's, that's cool. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, drum, drum, <laughs> drum roll, please. Now, folks, I hope you're I hope you're able to catch this. That the book of Leviticus, Leviticus, in the beginning and in the end of the book, it matches. And then, as you move forward and then backwards, 
it matches again and then mm-hmm. forward and backwards again. It matches again until you get to the very center, which is chapter 16. Which is chapter 16. Which is kind of like the center if there's what, how many chapters in Leviticus? Uh, there's 27. 27 chapters? It'd be like if you took a bunch of fruit and you went and put it on a table and there was a banana, an orange, and an apple. <laughs> and then on the other side, you'd have an orange and then a banana. So the banana's on the outside and then oranges and then the center would be the apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or you can think of it like a pyramid structure. There's lots of different ways to think oh, of it. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so so as we get to the very center of the book of Leviticus, the focus is on what? Um, the focus is on atonement. Mm. Yeah, the mm. Day of Atonement. Why do you so, think that is? Well, because it points to Jesus, our ultimate uh, atonement, atonement yeah. and sacrifice. Isn't it's that amazing? Incredible. The whole Bible points to Jesus. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. You know, whenever we get off focus, whatever it is, church government, <laughs> relationships, whatever it is, if Jesus isn't the central focus, we're going we're gonna to go astray in some mm-hmm. form, some way. Mm-hmm. Um, folks, this is, this is pretty amazing. Now, this is, this is one of our students, Adele. Laporte. Yes. <laughs> um, this is a this is a student. You're how old? Uh, nineteen. Nineteen years old, and she's studying the Bible like this. Mm-hmm. Um, Adele, what's mm-hmm. it been like here at the Master's Guild studying the Bible, learning the Bible like this? What's um, it been like for you? My, it has been so mind blowing. I can't even describe it. I came here thinking that I was like pretty knowledgeable about the Word of God. I mean, like I've been studying it since a young age. Um, but I had never known that there was so much more to it that I'd been missing this whole time. It's so infinite, and, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. There is literally no limit to mm. God's Word. We could be searching it for eternity and still not hit the bottom. You know, this morning in Devotions, we were talking about um, El Bethel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That blew me away, you know, that <laughs> He was no longer just the house of God. It's God's house. Mm-hmm. God lives in this house. And like, I don't know if folks in, the, in Genesis chapter 35, um, God, you know, Jacob's been calling this place Bethel, the house of God this whole time. But then God changes the name to it to El Bethel, taking the emphasis off the house itself, but the God who resides in it. And, and that's really what atonement does. Atonement in the book of Leviticus demonstrates to us how important this theme is. And you can't find true atonement if you're going to hold on to your sins, mm-hmm. if you're going to hold on to your own way of life, doing things your own way. I had a, I had a, um, a visitor here a while ago, and uh, you know, he, he kept talking about his, um, his own way of doing things. Mm-hmm. I kept asking him if, if, um, if he had come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he told me yes. But he kept telling me how Jesus was his Lord and Savior that wasn't the way of the Bible. And I kept trying to Hmm. tell him, like, no, um, if you confess with your mouth Hmm. that Jesus is Lord um, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Hmm. You know, there has to be an understanding that Jesus took your place. He took away your sin upon himself so that you can have eternal life. And when a person really realizes that, atonement isn't what they do. Atonement is about what Jesus did for you. So atonement's one of those words that's like uh, Christian terminology. I think if we were to go out and talk to someone about atonement, they'd be like, what is that atonement? Uh, Good point, Molly. So could you unpack that a little bit? Like, what's the idea behind it? Great word. So the word um, uh, appears when uh, God covered Adam and Eve. 
Mm. Um, he covered. He gave them uh, skins of. Um, they put le- fig leaves on themselves, which represented their works of trying to hide their sin. Mm-hmm. But then God uh, actually had to um, kill an animal, most likely a lamb or sheep, whatever, and God covered them with skins. Mm-hmm. So there had to be shedding of blood in the very beginning of Genesis. And then you get to Noah, and uh, Noah's going to, um, he's going to tar the ark and mm-hmm. make it um, so that there are no leaks. And that same word for atonement occurs wow. again. And, uh, and throughout the Old Testament, um, this idea of, of atonement, uh, Jacob, he sends all these gifts to his offended brother. His brother wants to kill him, but Jacob wants to atone for his own sins. And so he mm-hmm. sends the men servants, maid servants, oxen, flocks, herds, he sends all these things, these gifts, he calls mm-hmm. them. And he sends them to Esau, his offended brother, whom Jacob had stolen the birthright and deceived him, deceived his father for the blessing, which was Esau's. And Jacob sends all these things, okay, mm-hmm. ahead of him so that Esau, when he sees all of these gifts, mm-hmm. These gifts are supposed to act as a covering hmm. that Esau will see the gifts and forget the offense. That's crazy. I'm wondering, so like when I think of atonement, like if it's if it's to cover something, mm-hmm. like it kind of, does it go deeper than that? Like, because if Jesus atones for my sins, does he just cover them or does he like, it, does it take the place of and remove them? Like, does it go deeper than that or... Because then is that implying that the sin would still be there or is that just like there's always this sin nature? Yeah. God says that he takes our sin and buries them as far as the east is from the west. Mm. Um, So God, when he atones for our sins, our sins are gone. Okay. But the best part of it is like this. So the word atonement is Mm -hmm. the word for covering. So when the father Mm -hmm. looks upon the son, Mm -hmm. okay, when, when, when God sees us, he can only see us through the covering blood of his son, mm-hmm. thoroughly atoned for. You know, so so our atonement is, yes, done and paid for right now, mm-hmm. but we still live in this sinful state of, of our bodies, of our own weakness, and we will not receive our full atonement until we see Jesus face to face. You know, when we're completely released like from free from the, it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, so this idea of atonement is, um, you know, God can only cover us. Mm-hmm. You know, we cannot figure this out ourselves. It's free, it's simple, it's coming to God just as we are. I love that song. You know, just as yeah. we are, without one plea, mm-hmm. um, the Lamb of God has come and died for me. Without, without your blood was shed for me. Oh yes, yeah. just as I am, without one plea, without your blood was shed for me. Mm. And that blood, that's why, that's why God saw it as so important that they had to follow this prescription of killing a, 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 a lamb that was without blemish. Mm. It was pure. You know, it's interesting. If you think about it, if I'm like, if I've got like seven sheep, mm-hmm. okay? Oh, that explains why we're having lamb tonight. <laughs> I got back from my trip. I was like, Rainy, why are we having lamb? And she's like, well, Mark felt like it. I was like, that's so random. And then now it, like, <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> well, it's Easter time. Sorry, that was a random note. <laughs> you know, but, it, it, but picture this. Let's say I got only seven lambs, okay? okay. And I want, I want to produce the best. And so if I got these seven ewe lambs, mm-hmm. I... If I got one scrawny little runt, I don't want care about that one having more lambs. So that's the one I'm going to sacrifice most mm-hmm. likely. But God's like, no, no, you sacrifice your very best one because that's what I'm going to do. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to sacrifice my very best one, my only son. Mm-hmm. And so when, when we think about atonement, God held nothing back. And so when we're really desiring to be forgiven, it's not so much of what we can do, it's what God has already done. And when we come to him and we realize the enormity of his sacrifice, his atonement, mm-hmm. his blood being shed for us so that we could have eternal life, I, I tell you, that, that should lead a person to true repentance, mm-hmm. um, not, because of, not because of anything that they have done, but because of everything that God has done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it reminds me of when I was first saved 44 years ago. Actually, it'd be 44 years this July. Wow. Yeah, just happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I don't think I've ever gotten over it. You know, <laughs> of, of I'm I'm a child of God. This mm. that blows me away. Yeah. You know that uh, I can't imagine where I'd be right now if yeah. if I didn't know the Lord as my Savior. Better if the Lord hadn't known me as His child. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, well, folks, I hope this uh, was a inspiring. Um, time to study the book of Leviticus and mm-hmm. jot down all the repeated words. I, I just, um, as you read it, just start circling all the repeated words that you find. And mm-hmm. the repeated words will actually tell a story itself. Mm-hmm. The themes will drive the story forward to help you to see what the most important part of all of this is, the final atonement for our sins, yeah. so that we might be able to have great joy mm. and not have the misery of separation from God that Nadab and Abihu had to experience. Mm-hmm. I just I just spoke with Adele, and so we're going to do something a little different. If you're interested in seeing the chiasm that she found, then you can email me at Molly. So it's going to be Molly, M-O-L-L-Y, at lamplighter.net, and we can get that to you so you can look it over. There's so much to this as I'm looking at it. I'm like, you guys totally should check it out. So, again, if you want to uh, see what that looks like, it's molly at lamplighter.net. That's an email, and I can send it to you. Why don't we do this? Yeah. Let's say that Molly gets married someday and Molly's <laughs> not here. So, You'll never get your paper. <laughs> <laughs> so what would be another email address? Um, yeah. So then we could also have it go to mail at lamplighter.net. And go. I'll give uh, our customer service rep a heads up so that they can get that. But That yeah, sounds awesome, it's, Adele. It's beautiful. Wow. She did such a good job with it. Yeah. It's really pretty amazing. Or just yeah. go study it and then yes, or release it. You can it. find it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Quiz yourself. Well, this has been another Fasten Like Nails. I'm Mark Camby. Studio with me, Molly Mayo. Adele Port, Laporte. <laughs> I'll get it right one <laughs> We'll catch you next time. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, visit FastenedLikeNails.net and fill out the form. That's FastenedLikeNails.net. From the creative minds and talents behind Lamplighter Theater. I've never seen anything like it. This summer, Lamplighter presents the Lamplighter Guild. 
a week of mentoring and apprenticeship in the dramatic arts. Learn script writing, music composition, sound design, directing, and voice acting from world-class professionals. Registration for the Lamplighter Guild is limited, so sign up today at lamplighter.net. Lamplighter.net.